This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, it certainly was a hot one today, and some, like me, like it hot here on the Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate everyone about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, author of the book Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other, researcher, blogger at Fifty Shades of Pink, TEDx speaker on the No Sex Marriage, and your resource to help start that conversation, answer your questions, and help you discover new and exciting things about sex, love, relationships, your body, and health. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and certainly no apologies. Just fearless, straight-up talk about sex, love, health, your body, body image, your relationships. But this is more than a sex show. It's also a health and relationship show. I just try and lure you in or seduce you with the sex. Let's hope for you it will be illuminating, educational, get you thinking outside of the box and have a little fun. So please stay with me. There is an aspect of sexual health that is dark and dreadful. And I was reminded of that in my clinical practice this week. And I'm going to talk about that tonight a little bit in more detail. Unwanted sexual advances, abuse, physical, emotional, financial abuse in relationships, pedophilia and rape. Of course, for those of you who've been sexually abused, you are never far from my heart and I wish you all the best on your healing journey. And sometimes healing takes a lifetime. I keep you in my prayers, however, and uh, and I'm saddened with every story that I hear here and I'm going to share a couple of those with you tonight. But first and foremost, put the kitties to bed, maybe grab a glass of wine, your lover perhaps, and do Join me. Good evening, Matt. How are you? I'm great. Thanks yourself. I'm fine, thank you. What a beautiful day today. Oh huh? man, it was gorgeous. I was out in the Just, bike and yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, out in the bike, went in the water. Nice. Uh, yeah, went to a wedding last night. You oh know, yeah. I'm that. I'm always that person at the wedding that's like, is there anybody here that uh, objects to? Them? I'm like. Nothing against this couple, but <laughs> do they know what they're getting themselves into? <laughs> Honestly, when trouble strikes, can you talk to your now lover, future spouse about anything? Are you know, are you afraid of your spouse? <laughs> there have been some very interesting consults that I've done lately and uh it's just like I'm sorry, somebody's got to stand up at those weddings and say, <laughs> no, no, it was a lovely wedding, but I did hear the postmortem after the wedding today, and, uh, you know, there was some infidelity going on, there was some, you know, some a couple of people left and went and brought somebody back to the uh, wedding, and mm. anyway, lots of tales after the wedding. Unfortunately, I had to leave early because, uh, before it got really... <laughs> Naughty. No, um, I wasn't feeling that well and uh, feeling better, of course, today. Thank Good. goodness Good nobody to likes uh, not to feel well in the summer. Anyway, so uh, anyway, thanks for being here tonight. Oh, Once it's again, always a pleasure to be back. Matt, it's, the pleasure is mine. Uh, last uh, week, I never got to the joy of intimacy after a cancer diagnosis and treatment. And uh, so I'll be addressing that tonight, also talking about the importance of sex education. We had some issues down in Oklahoma about a syphilis outbreak, um, and they're tying it to a lack of education. So this is important. Also, abstinence only, uh, abstinence only until marriage programs. Do they work? What do you think? How do the Dutch do it? I always like to check in with the Dutch <laughs> or the Swiss <laughs> or the Finns. Or, you know, I like those. Uh, they, they always seem to, you know, they have it uh, all going on. 
Anyway, um, as I mentioned, uh, for the most part, I, I must say my job is a blast. I, I actually, at, at the wedding last night, I was talking to this lawyer, and I said, you know, whenever I meet a lawyer, I'm always like, you know, I wish I went to law school. And they're like, no, you made the better decision, <laughs> the, the lawyers that I've met so far. Not all of them, but, um, and I said to him, you know, um, I wish I had gone to law school just to have that added. You know, I wanted to be the lawyer that ran into the courtroom. Of course, nobody's in court anymore. But anyway, ran in with the evidence, you know, at the end. Um, but uh, he said, oh, that doesn't even happen. But uh, but so I absolutely love the work that I do. I love it. It's a blast. I have so much fun. But there is just one part of my job. You know, for the most part, I meet interesting people. I have incredible conversations. And, and bottom line is, it's not like work. It's more like fun. But occasionally there comes a time when my job is tragic. And, and I'm talking about when any type of abuse is reported to me. And, and mostly I hear from women about abuse, although I know that women can abuse men. And I actually witnessed uh, a woman verbally abusing a man in public today. Um, that's an interesting story that I might have to save for another, another week. Anyway, uh, in the interest of anonymity. But um, I, any kind of abuse, like financial, you know, when people hold money back from you, it, it can be abusive or um, not allow you to spend a certain amount or question your every bit um, of spending. There can be emotional abuse. There can be manipulation, verbal and or physical abuse. And such was the case this week during some of the Skype consults I had. Uh, one of the women was being verbally abused and physically abused and 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 she stayed but there's something called battered woman syndrome and which I will talk a little bit about tonight and that's one of the main reasons that women stay in abusive relationships interestingly enough with one of these cases uh, some infidelity had occurred her husband had had an affair with a neighbor and that was her tipping point it was the infidelity and not the battering that said, you know, she drew the line there. Um, so it's, um, you know, this is a very difficult subject and it's very difficult for people who are in uh, this type of an abusive relationship. A lot of people don't even realize that they are in abusive relationships. Um, and another case was um, a woman's husband was speaking to other women online, mainly um, uh, it was a, a porn site, mainly. And so she wasn't certain if that constituted cheating or not. Um, she felt it was, and she felt it it crossed the line for her. But um, it was interesting that she was okay with the abuse, but we've got to take into consideration battered women syndrome, but she was not okay with the infidelity. So we'll be talking a little bit about a little bit more about that tonight. Um, also about emotional affairs and um, and we're cheating all in all sorts of ways these days. And um, have you heard Matt of the several night stand? No, you heard of the one night stand. That sounds like that sounds interesting. Yes, going to be talking about that tonight. So hopefully uh, you'll stay with me. Um, and oh. also since we're since we're talking about cheating, because it was interesting. I felt that this woman who had been abused emotionally and physically and manipulated for a long time in her marriage or relationship. Um, but people cheat differently according to their zodiac sign. Did you know that? No, but that, you know, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I think it kind of goes along with the type of personality that yeah. you are. And so, when you know, people that I know who have cheated, 
<laughs> or cheat. I was checking them against their, um, and they were spot on. So really, be, yeah, yeah, it was it was spot on. So pretty good. Um, anyway, so that's one thing that may break up a marriage, or maybe it won't. What what would do it for you? Would it be abuse? Would that be your tipping point, or would it be infidelity, um, or would it be either? Neither one of them that you would stay under both circumstances, stay for the kids. Um, I had a patient this week whose marriage was about a 20-year marriage. Uh, The youngest child was now 13, and the husband had been cheating for 10 years. And But now that the child was 13, she had decided that she can take steps to leave him because she didn't want to remain in a marriage where he was was basically um, chronically cheating on her. So in this modern world, the concept of till death do us part, and I'm reminded of that by this wedding season, um, but this till death do us part no longer really applies. And especially when we face the everyday challenges that relationships provide for us or the marriage brings. Um, that's why I say, do you ex- know what you're getting into? And I, and I have had so many Skype consults this week um, and in and, and, and several weeks, in the past several weeks, and the more and more that I do more Skype consults, the more I hear this. But these people, men, mainly men, who are not happy with the state of affairs in their marriage, shall I say, just in case you haven't put the kids to bed, um, and they can't talk to their wives about it. They cannot talk to their spouses about it. And they don't know how to deal with it at all. A lot of these people have come to me because they have watched my TEDx talk, The No Sex Marriage, Masturbation, Cheating, Loneliness, and Shame, which you can find on YouTube if you haven't watched it yet. Um, But it has a lot of information in there. It's educational. Um, But we're also going to be talking tonight about how do you know when your marriage is over? Sometimes it just isn't going to work, and there are signs. Also, are you unhappy? Are you an unhappy person? And then you're bringing that to your marriage or relationship. Are there things that drive you crazy about your partner? Do you want to be much happier in your relationship and in your life? Well, the problem might lie with you. And so I'm going to be talking to you about some of the scientific evidence that um, demonstrates how you can be happier. And also when adversity strikes, how do you deal with adversity? What, what type of person are you? Well, I have a story about the carrots, the egg, and the coffee. What are you? And a bit later on in the program, I don't know if you know this, but uh, when there's workplace bullying going on, and it's a very common occurrence in many workplace environments, uh, it's as common as the paycheck, quite frankly, and, uh, and it's, it's very devastating for people, and it can also lead to low sexual desire in women. And quite frankly, some people don't even realize that they are the target of a workplace bully. So I'm very interested in this program because most unfortunately, it's happened to me. I've been a target and um, I hope to never be a target again. Uh, but what one can only hope. I've actually had three experiences in my, in my career uh, in the last 14 years or maybe 15 years now. Anyway, but um, and I thought it would never happen again, but I was just better prepared for the next time that it happened. So uh, Casey Miller of Six and a Half Consulting is going to be joining me in the second half of the program. He's going to be joining me on the line, so we're going to be giving him a call. And uh, we're going to talk about loving work environments, because I love that. And this show is all about the love. 
Um, but first of all, after the break, Dr. John Weisler, a cardiologist, a regular health contributor to this program, and just an all-around great guy, is going to talk to us about his expanding sports cardiology services and also sudden cardiac death. And uh, and I believe he saw the eclipse, so I do want to talk to him a little bit about that. But if you have a uh, question for the fine doctor... Uh, or myself, uh, the number to call is 604-280-9898. Matt has the lines open. You can always email me at nursetalk at hotmail.com if you have any questions. And speaking of emails, love them, and thank you so much, and they keep coming in. And so I'm going to be reading some of your emails from last week. So stay with me. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program. I trust you've put the children to bed. Um, in the studio, I am always honored to have Dr. John Weisler. He's a cardiologist uh, on the North Shore, and he has lots to talk to us about tonight. Uh, but first and foremost, I want to ask him about the eclipse, because he's really the only person that I know that actually saw it. Oh, oh, Matt did as well. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that, Matt. Yeah, yeah we went, down, too? went to the dog park, and there were tons of people there, all sharing the little things. Some <laughs> people had, like, the glasses. Some people had cardboard <laughs> box. One guy had a Ritz cracker, wow. and he held it on a piece of paper, and you saw all the little tiny eclipses in the Ritz cracker. Oh, it, wow. It blew me away. Well, Dr. Weisler here went down to Oregon to see it. So he went to... Oh, nice. Uh, you got, the, yeah, you yeah. got the, like, the dark skies and everything. Yeah, yeah. Because here it just kind of got a little hazy, like yeah. it was a fire or yeah, something. Yeah, so this is the real the real McCoy right here. Dr. Weisler, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Marine. Great to be here. Yeah, so you saw on Facebook that you had a great trip yeah, down was, to Oregon. It was, uh, it was fantastic. We saw it... Uh, I went down with my family, and we saw it uh, out of Salem. So uh, we, uh, we stayed in Portland and then got up really early, as did a lot of other people. And we made the drive down the I-5 and... And uh, set up set up a little camp, and we we had a great view, and we saw a totality, so the complete, you know, the complete eclipse. So at um, for about two minutes, where the sun was totally hidden, and all you could see was the corona, which is the sun's atmosphere. Wow! And what was that like emotionally for you? It was it was actually pretty striking. You know, it's it's uh, it's such a fleeting event. It's it's under just under two minutes, and. Uh, you know, it, it, it is sort of, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's funny. I, I don't know how to explain it. Although a lot of people have, you know, they report a similar experience where it's kind of emotionally profound. It's like you're sort of connected with the universe or the cosmos or something. And it, it kind of means something a lot more than just, uh, just this brief period where the moon passes in front of the sun. And a lot of people that, you know, we, we were in a crowd that was viewing it and a lot of people were affected, you know, everybody was cheering. Some people were crying. I was, I was struck by the intensity of the emotion. And then I, I have two little kids and they were they were both moved to tears they were shocked by again by the eclipse and and you know just that it was something so unusual that it meant something right yeah it's amazing and did you did you expect that emotional reaction not that strong i had read that yeah. something would happen but i didn't really understand it i mean we saw like we saw the the sky going dark and the shadows changing and all of that we knew it was something special but i'd read about it but i don't didn't really understand that you know right. that, that was that's a a different type of effect on the heart than what i'm trained to to look at i guess exactly you know, it's, it's we're all tested in life yes exactly but it was it was it was it was a unique it was i encourage everybody to do it if they can at some point in their life to see a total eclipse it's a it's a it's a unique experience for sure total eclipse of the heart yep, well we, anyway you had it good for you we definitely had that song playing a lot on the road <laughs> I 
I bet you did. My I colleagues bet at work were mentioning that to me the week before, for sure. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, good for you. So uh, you are a consulting cardiologist to our sports teams here, the BC Lions, the Whitecaps, the Canucks. And now you've opened up, you're opening up on the North Shore starting in the fall, or is it yeah, opened well, up um, a sports cardiology clinic? Yeah, we've had our practice. I've, I've had my practice now. This will be my eighth year in practice, and I've had the privilege. I started off with the with the White Cups, and then I've had the privilege of working with a lot of high level athletes for years. And I've served with the American College of Cardiology. But this is something that I've wanted to expand and make more available. So uh, to make people uh, more aware, the, the benefits. I should clarify the benefits of exercise far, far, far outweigh the risks but you know you see in the news where you have these professional sports stars that collapse playing or have their heart stop suddenly and you know sudden cardiac death is rare but it's scary when it happens so uh, one of the things that i want to do in the fall and my big plan is to expand awareness of sudden cardiac death and and safety while exercising and and what what i can offer and what my clinic can offer because it's you know i'm doing it with with um, one of my partners and uh, one of my nurse practitioners uh, they're going to join me so uh, so sam doe and, and lana gallic they're going to join me in, in expanding this and hopefully making it more available both to people that are really athletic and people that are sort of weekend warriors or want to be more athletic well, fantastic. And so we're going to be talking about sudden cardiac death. We're going to go to break right now. And when I return after the news and the weather and the everything else, we're going to be talking about sudden cardiac death and uh, how you might prevent that. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Thank you all for being here with me this evening. If you have any questions at all, give us a call, 604 604- Two eight zero nine eight nine eight, or yes, six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight. The lines are open, and Matt will take your call. Um, we have the doctor here, Doctor John Weisler. Every now and again, you hear of an athlete, a young athlete, even in their teenage years or in their, at the college level or the university level, who dies on the field. They're otherwise healthy in every way, uh, and it's. Uh, reported as sudden cardiac arrest or sudden cardiac death. Dr. Weisler is here in the studio to join me to talk about this phenomenon, this syndrome, this tragedy that occurs on many of our playing fields and what he is going to do to hopefully change some of that. Dr. Weisler, thanks for staying with me. Thanks, Maureen. Great to be here. It's always a pleasure to have you. Um, So sudden cardiac death or sudden cardiac arrest, can you tell our listeners what that is exactly? Yes, it's. Uh, I mean, it's. It's fortunately, it's a rare disturbance. Um, you know, a rare occurrence. It's still worth exercising. So I don't want people to panic. You know, the vast majority of us all need to exercise. It's more. not an excuse to stop exercising. Exactly. It's not an excuse exactly. to stay on the couch. No, no. My, my hope with by raising awareness of this is, to, you know, to try and encourage people to look after themselves and make themselves as safe as they as they can be. So sudden cardiac arrest um, is an electrical problem of the heart. So your heart's electrical signal becomes deranged and it can either be way too fast or way too slow such that the heart doesn't pump effectively. And probably the most common is that it's way too fast. Uh, and and this can happen for a variety of reasons. So it's it's kind of it's often confused with heart attacks. Heart attacks are like a plumbing problem where you have um, cholesterol in your arteries and it blocks the flow of blood to your heart. Um, and then sudden cardiac arrest is an electrical problem where the heart's electrical signal is is messed up and your heart doesn't squeeze properly. You don't get blood to your head or to the organs and you collapse. And what makes it a little bit more confusing 
is that sudden cardiac arrest, the electrical problem, can sometimes occur because of a blockage. So for for people 35 years of age and older, the most common cause of a sudden cardiac arrest is, you know, or are blocked arteries, coronary artery disease. But for younger players, like the, the you, you hear about them in the news once in a while, you know, whether it's a, a pro athlete that has to stop because they have a heart problem or they collapse on the field or, uh, you know, high school children or college children. Again, it's rare, but it does happen. And these are an electrical problem, they're more often due to something genetic that they didn't know they had, a disturbance of your heart's electrical signal, uh, maybe something that was inherited or something that you were born with. And even though it's a rare occurrence, when it happens to that family, it's a hundred percent, it's it's devastating and uh, it's just an absolute tragedy. Do Does everyone who experiences a sudden cardiac arrest on the uh, field die. Is that the... So they, they are clinically dead. Um, whether they can have their heart restarted, be resuscitated, that depends a lot on, you know, what we would call the chain of survival. So, you know, having fast access to emergency medical helps like, an, like 911 and an ambulance, uh, having access to a defibrillator, that's probably the most important predictor of whether you ultimately will recover is whether a defibrillator is available and whether somebody knows how to use it. We have uh, these automatic defibrillators or AEDs, automatic external defibrillators. They're really easy to use. Uh-huh. Uh, you just put the pads on the collapsed person and it tells you whether to shock them or not and tells you to do CPR or not. But you still, you need to know where the device is. You need to know how to put it on. And so, and so, um, and, and there was one study that looked at out of hospital cardiac arrest. They showed that if you had access to a defibrillator promptly within about five minutes, your chance of survival was 46% that you would recover back to normal and make it out of hospital. Uh, if you didn't have access to a defibrillator, it was only about 14%. So it really makes a huge difference. You know, having personnel trained in first aid, you know, and, and, and knowing what to do is, is of critical importance. Absolutely. And uh, would you say, or I don't even know if you know the answer to this, but it gets people thinking, especially uh, parents sending their children off to play sports this fall, does the teams who are practicing, do those teams typically have an AED machine? And so it is a very simple device. Yeah, so it, it varies. Uh, in some schools, the answer is yes. In other schools, no. Uh, you know, and, and where where they don't, uh, I think there's a variety of, of reasons, you know, knowledge about this problem and that, you know, even though, you know, you can't prevent every case, you can still do something sometimes. And, and awareness of the problem, I think, is is lacking. And, it you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, hit or miss. And then... Um, uh, uh, knowledge knowledge of, of you know having trained personnel available being able to use the device is probably another barrier and for some for some schools and facilities it's cost you know the cost That's it's right. not that much but you know it, you have to buy the equipment you have to pay for first aid training and that can be a barrier for for some for some neighborhoods and for, for some schools as well that's right and so that's probably a big funding issue for a lot of schools where there where some of their kids aren't getting breakfast or books that's right um, you, you know, know where, an where AED you machine money? exactly we're actually doing a, a survey with our clinic uh, looking at uh, availability of defibrillators in public places, uh, and you know, including both schools, uh, libraries, uh, gyms, and other uh, community centers, uh, looking at whether they're available and whether they have an on-site response plan. And it's going to be anonymous. You know, we'll only present aggregate data. We don't want to, you know, shame anybody or make them feel bad. But it's you know, just why to not? Judge I want to shame them. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, first step. First step is to know, you know, if you have a right. problem and 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 know what maybe you could do to rectify it. Absolutely. And and having an AED machine for a school it can also help all those students within there and the mm. um, teachers that's and right. the staff. That's right. It's more than so, just athletics. That's right. That's right. So you're looking to uh, 
help this situation somehow, and you've, you're setting up a, a sports cardiology clinic. Tell me about that. That's right. So, um, I mean, th- there's there's sort of five components of our strategy that we're that we're focusing on, and one is you know, and and sports cardiology is kind of it's it's an emerging discipline within cardiology, and so it, it focuses both on um, helping people who have symptoms from their heart that maybe limit them during exercise so they get out of breath more often than they used to. That might be cardiovascular. So investigating that and then screening for conditions that predispose to very serious or fatal arrhythmias. So trying to avoid sudden cardiac death. And so we have a strategy of both where we'd, we want to make ourselves available to evaluate athletes that are having uh, symptoms and then to uh, advocate for improved public safety, so access to defibrillators and awareness of high-risk symptoms like fainting during exercise is the main one, which is never normal. If you faint during exercise, you should have it evaluated. It's not always serious or life-threatening, but you should have it looked at. Is that by uh, a cardiologist one should have it looked at, or um, is a GP okay? I, th- I think you should start with your family physician. They're mm-hmm. capable of you know doing a, a great deal of work. If there's something unusual, especially if it's exercise-induced and if they're not able to resolve the situation, then I think that you should be evaluated by a cardiologist with expertise in sports mm-hmm. cardiology after that, for sure. Um, also looking at trying to incorporate, you know, new technology, things like Fitbits and things that track your heart rate and people think their heart's going to rhythm. They're not always accurate. They're not medically grade, but they can be helpful. Doing research uh, and then finally screening. So offering screening. Screening for conditions that predisposed to sudden cardiac death, you know, the heart rhythm abnormalities and even screening for coronary disease in the older patients and the, I guess, what you call the master's athletes or the weekend warriors, so people that are 35 and up that uh, don't play professionally but want to be more active, how to screen and when to screen remains controversial. So not all cardiologists agree, but uh, most of us that do it, we believe in both uh, history and physical and then an ECG, so which is a, a simple heart tracing that looks at your heart's electrical signal. It takes, you know, under a minute to do. It's very quick. And those are the, and, and the ECG is actually the most useful tool of, of all of that, even more useful than uh, examining the patient, although you do that too. Right. Um, so offering, making uh, screening available to people that want it sort of from the adolescent age group and up is is, is one of our aims. And the, just so people know, the ECG, the other term is the electrocardiogram. Yeah. Electrocardiogram, ECG, EKG. Yes, are all uh, synonymous. Now, um, how are you, um, so are you offering these services to um, schools, to sports teams at schools? To so, yeah, so we're planning an outreach in the fall where we'll be uh, offering our services to high schools and, and you know, uh, we, we will make it accessible. So if there is a legitimate medical need, your family doctor can refer you. It'll be covered by MSP. If people want to self-refer, we're going to keep the cost really low just to cover our own costs to make it accessible and widely available. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll be, we'll be offering it to, um, uh, ages, ages 14 and up. So high schools with, uh, with athletic programs, uh, and then people that, you know, people that are older that want to become more active and, and, you know, this is a screening service. How far we go, will uh, will will you know, it, it will depend on the patient and what they need, but we'll make it available from, you know, from, from 14 up high schools, uh, collegiate, other amateur sports organizations that would like the, the screening to be. So would you do the whole team, for example? So might there be like an offer to the parents that, you know, everybody on the Sentinel Hill, uh, you know, high school, um, team can, um, pay whatever certain amount and the cardiologist will come out. How does the program work? That's right. So we'll be, we'll be offering site visits to, Mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, do it in uh, you know similar programs that we are basing our model off of. We'll go say to the gymnasium for a day, and they'll do mm-hmm. it there. So uh, anybody that consents to participate will be able to drop by uh, and uh, and have the ECG performed. It only takes a few minutes, and the screening questionnaire that we use can be done ahead of time. 
and we will be collecting all of that data and yes. um, and, and we'll we'll be, we're also um, we're changing our whole electronic record system to have a registry of of athletic uh, uh, patients or nice. people that we're involved with so, because. And some athletes, you know, the the heart can really change as a response to athletic training. And that's determining what's normal versus abnormal is the whole name of the game, especially in the professional athletes that I that I deal with. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've been involved with the American College of Cardiology for years. And a, a big part of our job is establishing what's normal, what's abnormal. And if you're not sure, what else you do to, to distinguish them? Because, you know, in some high-level athletes, the heart undergoes some really impressive, um, you know, remodeling or, or changes, you know, really slow heart rates and the heart gets bigger and so forth. And so we're going to keep track of all of these changes and add to the registries that are already out there with the American College and others to improve the improve the science. Again, it's only anonymous and only with the consent of the person involved. You don't have to share your data if you don't want to. That's right. That's fantastic. And um, tell me about the over 35-year-old, the old-timers, the um, who are, you know, decide they're sitting on the couch and then they decide their wife's nagging at them to get up and get out and exercise and they, they decide to go for it and they run a half marathon. <laughs> What's the risk um, of that? Because guys especially have a tendency to, you know, they're going to conquer it all. Mm-hmm. They're not going to start out slow. They're not going to start with a walk and then build mm-hmm. up. They go for it. They go for it. So tell me the impact of that. Say an overweight guy, low testosterone level, elevated blood pressure a bit, maybe 175 over 95, mm-hmm. um, you know, doesn't have a great diet and is tired of the wife nagging at him and... Uh, <laughs> Gonna go for it. So I mean, I mean, overall, it'd be a strong voice of encouragement. I mean, it's it's good for all those things you mentioned: the blood pressure, cholesterol, the weight, all that. Good for their sexual health as well and their performance in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you might know, even help their testosterone it, level go up. It might. It might. It just it might. Best thing well, for testosterone. Um, so exercise. I would. I mean, I would encourage. Uh, obviously, it's kind of common sense, but a gradual um, uh, return to exercise. If you have any symptoms beyond getting a bit out of breath when you when you push it, you know you should have them evaluated. You know you hear stories of people that feel a burning in their throat when they exercise. That's not normal, you know. And they try to ignore it; doesn't go away. Get right. any symptoms checked out, um, and then if you're unsure. Uh, it's reasonable. Check in with your family doctor. Make sure that he or she agrees that you know it's reasonable for you to exercise. You can consider uh, if you have any symptoms, you should be evaluated. And if you don't, it's reasonable to do this screening program. I, I believe in it. And I think um, probably more cardiologists do than not. Although again, the data to show that it makes a difference, we're still right. uh, accumulating that. So it's reasonable. Do you need additional testing? Uh, an ECG would certainly be beneficial. Review of your risk factors. Exactly. And then plus or minus, you know, something like a stress test can be useful in certain people. And slow and steady wins the race. Right. Would you say start out slow? Right. You gotta, don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly. Don't go out and try to do a half marathon cold, you know, exactly. have a training plan and try to stick to it. And it's, it's I admit to, to running That's the Vancouver Sun Run many, many times without doing any training. Training. Well, my normal cross training of life. But aside from that, um, Dr. Weisler, when does your uh, sports cardiology clinic launch? So it's available now. Um, patients can be seen. You know, I've, I have experience doing that. Um, one of my partners and our nurse practitioner colleagues, so Sam Doan and Lana Gallick, are, are both starting to work with me over the next couple of weeks. So it will expand throughout September and October. Fantastic. And how should uh, people get in touch with you? So you're All welcome. of you athletic directors <laughs> out there. So you're welcome to contact Coaches. us. Um, you can contact me through my website, which is JV Cardio, so J, the letter V, and then cardio.com, or our phone number, 604-980-1031. Perfect. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks and for uh, me. Yeah, you want to listen here. to this again because a lot of detailed information. You remember, it is a free download on iTunes. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. 
Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath here. You can give me a call. You don't have to be shy. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. You're probably enjoying this gorgeous evening we're having here in Vancouver, British Columbia. I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but every now and again you have to be. Uh, I want to talk about a very serious sexually transmitted infection, syphilis. And there is a health epidemic in Oklahoma City. And in fact, there have been 199 cases of syphilis in Oklahoma City this year according to the New York Times. And this disease has affected people of all ages. The youngest patient in Oklahoma City is a 14-year-old girl, and the eldest is a 61-year-old man. There have been three stillbirths, and 13 pregnant women were affected. And they are trying to give so much education. Maybe they are closing the barn door after they've let the horse out. Uh, I'm not sure about that. But this is one reason why sex education is so important. It's a very difficult subject for people to discuss, even with their own partners, even with their intimate partner. So this is something that uh, is vital as we come upon the um, the schools, the fall is approaching, fast approaching, uh, unfortunately, um, and education is key. And if you don't get the education at home, hopefully it's happening in the schools. Uh, I'm happy to come out and speak to any schools who would like education on this. Um, feel free to email me at nursetalkathotmail.com. There's also Salima Noon, who's a fantastic sex educator in our city as well. Um, you know, S- S- this particular STI has different stages of infections, and some people will show no symptoms at all. This uh, syphilis, in the primary stage, a person may develop sores around the genitalia or in the mouth. The second phase typically includes fever, swollen lymph glands, and skin rashes. And on the third level of syphilis, those people that are infected may experience severe medical issues that may impact some of the major and vital organs like the heart or the brain. It is curable with antibiotics, so there is no shame in this. Uh, Prevention is being in a long-term, guaranteed, monogamous relationship or abstinence. But does abstinence always work? That's a difficult one. Another option is to always wear condoms, especially if you are going outside of your relationship. And you want to have this conversation with the person, with your lover, with the person that you're intimate with. You can get screened and be tested for it. If you think you have it, you should go to your doctor immediately. It is treatable with antibiotics. So this is one reason why sex education is important. Another reason is I... I will talk a little bit more about it in the next hour, but uh, when we address a number of uh, of subjects like um, sex after or sexual intimacy or the joy of intimacy after a cancer diagnosis, things change after a cancer diagnosis, body image changes, and somebody may have had issues with their body image prior to, but scars and ileostomies and um, colostomies, those types of things um, may impact how a person feels about themselves. So uh, in the next um, hour, I'm going to be talking about that. Also, going to be talking about um, till death do us part. Um, is that uh, a reality anymore? Uh, can we just, we have these disposable marriages. And how do you know when your marriage is over? What are some of the signs? And are you just miserable, just miserable in your relationship? Well, maybe it is you. Maybe you are the one. Um, that has the issue. And so there's some great advice uh, that I found about being happy. If you're, you know, some people are 
born happy and some people are not. And, uh, you know, you got to take the good with the bad in life. Also, abstinence. Does abstinence work? Not necessarily. Um, telling lies about sexuality and sexual intimacy and what sex is going to be like, that doesn't work either because that can actually predispose somebody to issues in the relationship. Like painful sex, for example. A lot of mothers tell their daughters that sex is going to hurt, sex is bad, sex is dirty, it's overrated. I am here to tell you it is not none of those things, none of the above. If you have heard that from your parents, I am sorry. They're not telling the truth. They are afraid you're going to have sex before you get married. Marriage is a social construct. Sex is entirely different from marriage. And I can tell that, I can say that from all the clients that I speak to, especially over Skype and in my clinical practice, who have never talked to their own partners about um about sex, about intimacy, about what they like, about what they enjoy, about what they need in their relationship. I had a patient this week, he said, am I looking at 40 years of sexless, of a sexless marriage? I said, if things don't change, if you don't, uh, you know, state your needs, talk about it, communicate, change some things in your house. I actually suggested that this guy come home and you'll understand why, um, that this guy come home and clean for an hour every single day in his uh, what he described as bedlam uh, at home. And he was very concerned. It was interesting. He was very concerned that he had three boys. He had five kids. Three of them were boys. And he was like, well, is my wife adequately teaching my boys about you know, sex and, and having their needs met And uh, in her sex education when she can't do that for me? And, and I was like, well, are you actually teaching your boys to respect their mother anyway, which I think is an important aspect. And so when I suggested he come home and clean the house for an hour every day, he didn't like that idea. Anyway, he likes some of my other ideas better, and I will share those with you in the second hour. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.